I'm Becky Rupert McMahon, CEO of the Cleveland Metropolitan Bar Association. Welcome to a new season of My Bar Story Podcast. We began this project to create an oral history of the bar for our 150th birthday in 2023. The response has been tremendous. We've got many more great bar stories to share this year and beyond. So let's get started with another My Bar Story. Hello, my name is Kathy Dugan, and I am the director of the Cleveland Law Library, located on the fourth floor of the county courthouse. I've been a lawyer for almost 37 years, and for the first 13 years of my practice, I was at a very small law firm in Cleveland. But for the last 23 years, I've been a professional law librarian, and I love my profession. I'm also a longtime member of the Cleveland Metro Bar and its Justice for All Committee. I would like to um, have our current board president, Carla Tricarci, introduce herself, as well as our uh, former uh, president, Joseph Gross. Good afternoon. Um, my name is Carla Tricarci, and I have been a lawyer for about 40 years. That makes me quite old. And I think most of those 40 years, I have been a member of both the Cle Cleveland Metro Bar Association. Uh, I was also initially a member of the Cuyahoga County Bar Association uh, and the Cleveland Law Library. And I currently serve as the president of the Cleveland Law Library. Hello, everyone. Uh, Joe Gross here. I am the uh, past president of both the Cleveland Metropolitan Bar Association and the Cleveland Law Library Association, and uh, had the distinct pleasure of running or leading those two organizations during some, let's say, uh, interesting times, which we uh, may get into a little bit later on. I was wondering if we could share some memories of uh, your law library service or your bar association service. You know, I would say one of the hallmarks of the organizations are they both reached this one amazing 150-year milestone, and they've sort of um, operated in parallel. But one of my best memories is as a young lawyer going to the reading room. The reading room at the Cleveland Law Library is sort of an august uh, I would characterize it as a sanctuary, and it really allowed you to, to think, um, which in busy, crazy times, especially if you're a litigator, you don't have that much time to sit and be quiet and think. And that is sort of my best, one of my best memories of the Cleveland Law Library. That's interesting and brings up uh, my first exposure to the Cleveland Law Library, which was about 33 years ago when I was a first-year associate at my current law firm of Benish. Partners at that time would uh, have a research project that if we didn't have the uh, state resources, we would walk uh, down the street or to the other part of town and get into the state libraries at the uh, Cleveland Law Library, which was amazing. So all the digests, which were very important when you're doing legal research by uh, book, was amazing. I loved going. And, you know, one of the things that our younger lawyers don't get to experience these days is going in and hunting through books for a particular piece of information, because even though you might be able to find what you're looking for quicker, in the computer systems, Lexus, Westlaw, Bloomberg, you miss a lot of reading the law 
when all you're looking for is the particular subject uh, that might interest you at the time. You learn how what you are looking for is related to other topics which folks who limit themselves to computers don't get to experience. I, I don't. It, I, I found it much more rewarding and interesting using books. My memories of the bar began when I was practicing law at a small firm, and I would call the law library and ask them to fax over <laughs> some Merit System Protection Board decisions or other content, and that was, uh, that was great. Uh, when I was a young lawyer, I was a member of the uh, Cuyahoga Bar and then the Metropolitan Bar. And I was so happy when they merged, <laughs> one membership set of dues. Some of my memories of the law library revolve around our more senior or what I call seasoned members. That would be me. <laughs> well, I think of my dad, who used to go to the law library when it was filled to capacity with lawyers and typewriters, and the intercom system was working well. And so I carry those memories with me. And then I've made my own, like when we had live CLE programs, and the, you know, more seasoned members would come and, you know, we would talk and share some memories. So I'll piggyback on your comments because my father was also a lawyer. And one of the things he, he sort of taught me was one of your civic duties as a lawyer. Really, you, as part of the fraternity of being a lawyer, and I'll speak to that in a minute, it was to join the Bar Association and participate and, and give to the community and to join the law library. Um, so with respect to the intercom system, which you talked about, I have a funny story, which was that, um, there used to be a telephone booth and in the telephone booth, you, well, if you're sitting in the reading room, the large reading room and someone from your office or anyone, I suppose, wanted to call you, they could call the law library and they would put you on the intercom system and they would say, Mr. Karchi, there's a call for you. And you would go into the booth now, it, you could look at it one of two ways. You could either be totally embarrassed that someone was saying your name out loud and like, why are they calling you? Are they calling you to yell at you because you made a mistake? You don't know. Or you could think of it as sort of a superpower and you were going into the, into the booth like you were Superman and you're going into the booth to really talk about some important legal issues. So it was just sort of one of those memories that I have of the intercom system. We've both been around for 150 years plus, and I thought... Well, the organizations, not us. Excuse me, yes. <laughs> we are old, but not that exactly. old. Exactly. <laughs> and so I thought maybe it'd be helpful if we discussed the evolution of both the Bar Association and the law library and how we stayed relevant. As a small firm lawyer, I will tell you that when I was part of both the Bar Association and the law library, both of them, when I first joined, tended to cater more to, or this, this is my perception, to larger firms. And I think I was one of the first members of the board to be from a smaller firm. And I think one of the evolutions of both of the organizations, both in their membership and in the leadership, is that they are much more open 
to smaller firms than they were. I think it was more of a clubby, and I will say fraternity, because when I joined the Law Library Board, I was the first, it was definitely not a sorority, because I was the one of the first women, I think in the modern era since the 40s, to be a member even of the board of the, of the Law Library. So I think that one of the points of evolution is it's much more open to genders, races, and and smaller firms? I think both organizations have had to move from being who they are to being more open, not just in uh, what Carla was talking about, but we both are responsive to constituencies that are, are different today. Both the Bar Association, when I was president, and I know it's it's taking place now, is more of a thought leader for the community in, in areas where lawyers can make a difference. And it's not just a place where you get CLE. It's not just a place where you can have a social function. It's turned out to be a place where important subjects can be vetted for the community, and lawyers can speak either as one or perhaps be a venue for civil discussion about divisive topics. The law library, on the other hand, has is different in the way it's had to uh, transform itself. You know, we talked about the books. Uh, there aren't very many people who come to the law library now to go into the state carols and, and pull out digests of, of Utah law. Uh, that is uh, uh, what uh, Westlaw and Lexis is good at, and, and it doesn't take as much space. Uh, but again, you, you lose something there, as I mentioned before. So we've become and, and forced to become much more technologically current. So Whereas before, uh, people would ask for pages of a treatise to be faxed. Uh, they might come over or we might ship a, a computer with a treatise on, on the computer itself. And I've done that personally myself, and it's, it's, a, uh, it's a wonderful resource that you can borrow a computer with the treatise on it, and you can do all your uh, research and return it. Pretty cool. Because we both offer legal research tools, and that's what my key role is, uh, I thought that the evolution I see is in how we deliver the legal resources. And, you know, fast case through the bar. And we have so many online legal research tools. Uh, when I went to law school a really long time ago, we had one Lexus terminal and one Westlaw terminal. And I was helping te to teach people how to use it. And we used shepherds in print to shepherdize a case. Oh, I remember. And the evolution has gone from like books to CDs and CD-ROM towers to databases. And so you know, we used to have a CD-ROM room where lawyers would come in and do their research. And I used that. But now that's a tech center with... Wi-Fi and, you know, online meetings and Zooms and you name it. The other relationship I see in evolution between our two organizations is in the programming. When I started there, 
just over 20 years ago, we really didn't support any of the Bar Association's programs. So I joined the JFA right away, and we started, you know, participating. Justice for All. Justice for All Committee. And we started participating in mock trial. We've been doing that for 16 years, supporting that, arranging courtrooms, um, you know, and supporting the bar headquarters during the event. We also have taken on Stokes Scholars, Stephanie Tubbs-Jones Legal Academy students, provided training to them, you know, and I've taken on the role of starting a legal research and writing column in the bar and still contribute to that. And before the pandemic stopped everything, we had a very successful divorce and divorce um, plus clinic set up every month. Plus, periodically, we did probate law clinics with lots of partners, the probate court, the bar, you know, we really did expand our partnerships. And um, I've spoken at the boot camp here for the new lawyers. And just the other day, it was my great joy to provide a walking tour of the courthouse. So, and that was also to support the CLE of the CMBA. So that's how I see the joint evolution. Oh, that's great how the organizations have sort of supported each other. And I think that's, the other thing I would say is the leadership, one of the most important parts of both organizations has been not just your intellectual growth, as Joe was mentioning, what you really learn when you're there, but also personal growth in the sense that there are people that I would never have crossed paths with had I not been on the board of the bar or on the board of the Cleveland Law Library. Um, and that's been really helpful, not just for networking for business purposes, but just for having a broader uh, perspective on the legal co- on the legal community than I had in my. Because I'm from a small firm, so I don't have colleagues that are down the hall as much as. Uh, so this gave me a collegiality that I that I wouldn't otherwise necessarily have had. And I'll tell one other story about collegiality. And this sort of relates to my dad, but um, and I practice with him, so I uh, have a lot of memories that are sort of intertwined with the bar and the the law library. But when he was a young lawyer, he was the first in his family to go to college and certainly to go to law school. But when he got out of law school, which he went to on the GI Bill after having served in World War II, he couldn't initially get a job. But he didn't want to tell his immigrant parents who had helped him get through law school that he couldn't find a job. So what he told me was he would get dressed up in a suit in the morning. It almost makes, it brings a tear to my eye. He would get dressed up in a suit every morning. And the two places he went, when he get, went downtown, he went downtown and he would watch trials, primarily trials that were being done by Craig Spangenberg, who I believe was a prior on president of both the Cleveland Bar, or at least the Cuyahoga Bar, and the, the the Law Library Association, he would watch him try cases and try to learn from him. And the other place that he went was the Law Library. Because again, it was a place that he could go and he can learn and he could find sort of a refuge. So it's a sort of a great little memory for me. I remember going to the Law Library myself when I'd have an hour or so, you know, in between cases or something. And you go around the state, and when I was president of the uh, law library, I'd, go, I'd have a case in a small courthouse, or sometimes not so small courthouse, and I'd always look up the law library, which is usually in the courthouse, and talk to the law librarian if, if that person was there. 
and just uh, chill in the law library. Maybe pull a book out, or if nothing else, look at what books they had on the shelves, which also tells you something. And to your point, Carla, the Bar Association primarily gave me an opportunity to learn, because I'm not from Cleveland. I didn't grow up here. I came here through prior employment. So I don't have roots here, don't have any family here. And I got to know people outside my firm who were interested in the same things that I was. To this date, to today, I've got people I can call friends who I know either think like me or don't, but who I can talk with and, and consider friends. To me, that was always an important part of being when I first joined the bar. I think later on, the Bar Association became very important to me so that uh, we lawyers could uh, do justice for the community. And I think that's also important to me uh, for the law library where we provide a resource now to the public, uh, limited because we have to, but the public has a place to use a law library that uh, it wouldn't have if we weren't there. And to use the assistance of the, of the staff, which is taxing when people are sometimes, you know, pro se and need assistance, but I think it's an invaluable public service. Thank you. Um, there is a story I'd like to share about leadership. Um, my dad was a partner at a large law firm in town for many years. And when I was thinking about going to law school, he told me, make sure you go to law school where you intend to practice. And I did, thankfully. I didn't go anywhere else that I got accepted to. And I'll tell you, I was able to stay connected to those people that I went to law school with through bar association functions and their connections to the law library but a lot of them have taken on leadership roles in the bar and the judiciary. And when we had a 35-year reunion a few years ago, I don't want to say how long, uh, it was amazing how many of the people at that function were key players in the legal community here in town. Well, thank you for joining us today and listening to what we had to say. We hope that we gave you some new insights about how the Cleveland Metropolitan Bar Association and the Law Library have not only grown together, but why they are both important to the legal community. Thank you for joining us for another My Bar Story. You can still sign up to record your own bar story at clemetrobar.org forward slash podcasts. Watch your podcast feed for a new episode coming soon. Have a great week.